Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. message part two of our good news series and it's called what is this phenomenon what is this phenomenon i'm praying for us lord thank you for what you're going to say pray you be here in jesus name amen acts 2 1 through 13 says this on the day pentecost was being fulfilled all the disciples were gathered in one place suddenly they heard a sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly rim The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes and separated into tongues of fire and engulfed each one of them. Verse 4, they were filled, listen to this, filled and equipped. Somebody say filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues. Empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never heard or learned. Now, at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came. Listen to this. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from. Stunned over what was happening because each one of them, each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Each one could hear them speaking in their language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own languages? We are northeastern Iranians. Northwestern Iranians, Elamites or whatever they are, Elamites, and those from Mesopotamia, Judea, and East Central Turkey, the coastal areas of blacks of the Black Sea, Asia, uh, North uh, North Central Turkey, South Turkey, Egypt, Libyans, who are neighbors of Cyrene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire. It's a whole bunch of folk there, both Jews. And Gentiles, or as this one says, and converts to uh, Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, Arabs, Jews, Gentiles, Cretans, and Arabs. Yet, we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialect. They all stood there dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, what is this phenomenon? Oh, but verse 13, you can't forget verse 13. But others poked fun at him and said, they're just drunk on new wine. <laughs> Come on, that new wine. Uh, the, the reality is, folks, uh, 
We have to recognize that our world is in desperate, desperate need of good news. Um, I know for a lot of people yesterday was good news. Um, and a lot of people yesterday was not good news. But I'm talking about even better news. The world needs good news. Somebody say good news. And as we have to recognize that there's uh, the, the, the church itself should be and has been and sh should always be a beacon of hope, a beacon of light, a, a beacon of trust, a beacon of, of, of love and joy. Because and... here's the thing, man, if, if we're going to live in a world that's hopeless, we got to have a a place where we can find hope. I, you know, I, think, I think for us, we, we all sometimes forget the reality of this one truth that if people are searching for hope and the church is hopeless, then guess what? The world is hopeless. I know a lot of people, you know, the, the influence of the church is very questionable right now. Can we just be honest? But I've learned, so goes the church, so goes the world. Because believe it or not, and whether we accept it or not, a lot of times the church is the thread of the moral fabric of the world. But when we try to make the gospel combative, and we try to make the good news of Jesus uh, uh, the, the kind of news that fights instead of being humble. Then we see what we have going on today. That seemed sounded a little Baptist for a minute there. <laughs> I'm joking. Lamar ain't paying me no attention. Uh, Probably back there playing pool or something on his iPhone. <laughs> uh, the reality is, though, when, when we make the gospel combative, we lose credibility. We lose influence. I told somebody this yesterday, and they, and they, they got very upset with me. And it's fine. But America is not a theocracy. Amen? I know we like to think it's a Christian nation. It's just a nation. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when we try to force people to force people into a walk with Christ, we don't see real evidence of a true heart captivated by the grace found in the gospel. So our message is a message of hope, not of violence, not of despair, not of hate. It's a good news. It's one of the only, very few, none of the other religions can say they have a savior that died that rose for them. But when we start Putting all of this other, you know, we made the gospel gumbo. 
Come on, somebody. Well, I want to throw this in there. I want to make sure that people know that this issue should be in the gospel. If you're going to be saved, you got to believe this way. you got to act this way. And when we ask people for assimilation, we don't get transformation. Hello. And an assimilated heart is not a, transfer, trans, uh, a transformed heart. And when we don't have transformation, we lose the ability to actually change the world. Because the moment a storm arises, you know what people start doing? I ain't never going to church ever again in my entire life. I have had so many conversations, and this is troubling, so many conversations over the last few weeks with people who are traumatized about what's happening in the world and they don't even want to step foot in a church again. And it's sad. It's very sad. It's heartbreaking because, we, listen, we have to be the place of hope for the hopeless. We have to be the place where people can come to Christ and hear, and, and hear the good news and, and know that they are loved and they're accepted. Because listen, there are a lot of things in the world that tell us what we're not accepted. And there are a lot of things in the world that tell us what we're, we're, we're not good enough or, we, or we, can't, we can't compare. There's so many other things happening in the world that tell us that we are not good enough. But then when we come to church and we're saying the same thing, guess what? We lose the influence to transform hearts. And so, if we don't get the good news right, eventually we will die off as influencers in the earth. Now, the Bible says this very clearly. It says that uh, he sent us to be ambassadors. If I'm an ambassador, that means I come with the weight of the authority of heaven on my shoulders. And a lot of us have preached this gospel of self-righteousness, this, this gospel of works-based theology, and we make it seem like people have to be a certain way and do a certain thing instead of accepting the sacrifice Jesus. And I know it bothers folks because they want me so badly to tell them what to do to be saved. And I can't tell you what to do to be saved. But I can tell you who to follow that makes you righteous when you're really unrighteous. Because that's the truth of the gospel. I can't tell my children how to be my children. Nobody can walk up. If my children went to somebody else and said, can you tell me how to be a, a son in my family? They might give them some skills on, you know, do son. They're going to tell you all these things that you do. But nothing will ever change the fact that his bloodline is a part of my bloodline. And his DNA my DNA is in him. He is my son. So there ain't nothing he can do to change his DNA. Ain't nothing he can do to make him more right or put him in a righter place to be my son. 
And it's the same for us. If we're sons and daughters of the living God, there's nothing that we can do to make us more righteous. Somebody say righteous. Jesus already did the work. So as I dive into my text here, I'm, I'm, you know, and I ain't got but a few more minutes, and I'm going to get out your way. Hallelujah. Um, as I dive into my text here, I begin to realize, and as I, as I was thinking about this, one of the, the things I really wanted to preach was this text because Acts 2 is, is quite interesting to me because I have, I have begun to see, uh, Lamar, that, that we, we want to change the world and there are churches that want to change the world and they want to do it without the Holy Spirit or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's a problem. And then we want to change the world, but we only want to change certain people in the world. And that's an issue. Because Acts 2 teaches us very, very clearly that Scripture, uh, that, that when the Holy Spirit comes on us and empowers us to do work, that he doesn't have limitations and he's not going after a certain people group. He's going after every people group. Amen. And so they, they, they're here. It's the day of Pentecost. They're in the upper room. It's about 100, what, 120 of them, something like that. They're all in there and they're having a, you know, they're just there. And then next thing you know, they hear this loud sound, mighty rushing wind that comes in. And it fills the room. The Bible says that it was so loud that people uh, just, they were just, mm, they were just, they couldn't even break, you know, and it was, it was crazy, right? And then uh, uh, this pillar of fire comes down and all these tongues were, they were, it was separated, divided tongues. And this is where we, we learn about speaking in tongues. And some of us, uh, you know, I know there are people all over the world that's all, oh, you know, we'll be speaking in no tongues. Um, but Speaking in tongues ain't that spooky, and, and it's been proven medically now that when you speak in tongues that it actually does something for your immune system, but you can argue with that later if you want to. Um, but the truth is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, part of that is the evidence of speaking in tongues, giving you the ability to speak in a language that you've never spoken before or learned. Come on, somebody. And the Bible, and in church we call that your heavenly language. The Bible actually explains that when you pray in tongues or you sing in tongues, you're actually communicating directly with the Father. And a lot of us got this gift, and Jesus is okay with moving out of the way so we can pray to our Father in our heavenly language. He's not intimidated by us praying in tongues, Amen. And some of us need to learn and we need to embrace this gift of praying in tongues. And get me, I know it's, it can be crazy, spooky, whatever it may be. But he says you can pray directly to your father. And so, um, anyways, they were given tongues and they had learned, they, they were empowered by the Spirit. Somebody say empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they never heard and never learned. Never took time to learn them. They were empowered and the Holy Spirit gave them supernatural uh, 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 master's degrees in new languages. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I love, I love when God does that. You know what I'm saying? He'll take you from the back of the line to the front of the line. He'll take you from uh, when you're not qualified and give you the, mo the, the job that you're most disqualified for and he'll go, but, but we want you. And you, you're like, well, I don't, I, I'm not even qualified for this. 
I don't even have no management. We, we like you. Huh? See, the Holy Spirit can do stuff like that. The, the, the anointing of God on your life can give you and open doors for you that you can't open for yourself, can put you in rooms that you don't deserve to be in, can give you influence over people that you don't deserve to have influence over, can give you blessings that you don't deserve. Come, but, but if we're really being honest, we don't deserve any of it, so all of it's because of Jesus. But <coughs> So they're, 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 they're there, they they're speaking in language they never learned, and all these people were there, and they've people from everywhere, Jews, Gentiles, uh, uh, the, the, the Cretans, the, the uh, Arabs, uh, I mean the, uh, the Arabs, and all, everybody's there. They're all here. It's like a huge party going on. They're walking through town, and all of a sudden, they all hear this sound, and they start running towards it, and it leads me to my front, uh, uh, the, my first point is, because we're talking about the good news, the good news is a sound that's roaring. Somebody say roaring. roaring. Do you know that when a lion roars, it's a signal for the lion to let everybody know that kingship is here, that the alpha is in the room, that everything better stop if I want it to stop or if I want you to move. Come on, somebody. When a lion roars... Everything turns and either runs, amen, or bow. The good news, and I love this because it says it came roaring. And then I think about the scripture where it says that, 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 that Jesus is like a roaring lion. Come on, listen. The good news should be a sound that roars, a sound that stops people in their tracks, a sound that changes the very court, uh, culture of society, a sound that goes against the fabric of society. Good news sounds like hope. Good news sounds like peace. Good news sounds like joy. Good news sounds like righteousness. This is good news. It's not hate or despair. Oh, I'm giving up throwing down. That's not good news. Good news is a sound that's roaring. It's a sound that puts down and stops everything. It's a sound that fills the rooms. It should be a sound from the church that fills our mouth every single day, that fills our pulpits every single week, that fills our homes and our cars every single day, everywhere we go. We should be carrying the good news of the gospel, telling people about Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to need y'all to preach with me so I can get done because we're going to be here all day if y'all don't talk back to me. Amen. The good news uh, is a sound that's roaring. The other thing is this, and, and it says that uh, the sound came roaring. The people came around because they, they, they heard the sound. They came, and then the Bible says the crowds started coming. Crowds. Somebody say crowds. And then I wrote this down. The good news draws crowds to itself, also known as drawing itself to Jesus. The Bible says it very clearly. If I be lifted up, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all. Somebody say all men. Who is all men? 
men was a gender neutral thing here. He wasn't talking about just the men folk. He's talking about man and woman. Every living, breathing person in this nation, in this world, every living, breathing person, no matter what you are doing, what you've gone through, who you are, he said, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw everybody, everybody. Come on, somebody say everybody. And I, you listen, we got to stop uh, connecting to these churches that's only for somebody or that person or this. If the church is not preaching the gospel that's for everybody, it ain't the church you need to be at because they ain't preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of the kingdom is for everyone. Atheist, agnostic, I don't care if you, uh, you was worshiping Satan last night. Guess what? Jesus still wants you. He still cares for you. He still loves you. He still wants you in his house. Oh, my God. Come on, somebody. On the pole, God still wants you. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. And the, see, the, 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 listen, a lot of times we see we've we created this, this idea in church that God only wants the people that are getting it right that, that seem to be on the journey. No, he is the journey. He wants us all. That the new, the, see, the good news should be a, a news that draws people from everywhere. Come on, somebody. And I wrote this down, and this is my next one. The good news ministers to people right where they are. Listen, see, 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 we want people to learn church language before they come to church. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Spirit wants you to learn that language so you can be the church and speak to them in their language so they can hear the gospel in their language so they can learn to lo that about the love and the care and the compassion of Jesus Christ in their language. And he ministered to them right where they are. Listen, the, the 5,000 that were hungry, you know what he did? He showed up, he fed them, and then he fed them. Amen? Some of us, oh Lord, some of us want, uh, we want people to get saved before we want, before we can learn to minister to them in their own language. We want them to come to church and then get right. No, listen, you need to learn how to have the empowerment of the Holy Ghost that sends you out, somebody say out, that ministers and meets people right where they are. What? You know, you, who? You know what? See, here's the thing. Oh, God, let me say this in a way that's, anyways, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. But some of us, see, we, we, we go to these church conferences. We go to these places. We hear all these statistics about how people, Barner, always telling us that people are leaving the, pool, the, the pews and they're not coming back to church. And they're, they're, you know why? It's because we, we fail to minister to the thing that we, that, we, that we should be because we like, see, most of the time we spend time hating the very thing that we should be ministering to. We hate the people that God's called us to love unconditionally. 
And then we sit back and say, I don't know why nobody come to my church no more. Show me your last 10 Facebook posts and I can tell you. Oh, got real quiet. Some people probably just signed off. They're like, hey, I came for this. He, he killing me today. If God called us to love them unconditionally, we got to love them unconditionally. We cannot claim to and try to minister to the people that we hate. Come on, somebody. It's, you cannot do it. It won't work. Hello. But the Holy Spirit is not a... Uh, see, the Holy Spirit is not... He's not, he's not going to empower us. And the good news is not to empower us to minister to the folk that's just like us, that think like us, that act like us, and, and they, they believe like us, and, you know, that are already on the journey. And they, you know, he's a good one, you know. He, he got real potential to be a minister of the gospel. This is what we do in church. No, the Holy Spirit says, nah, I want, I want that one over there. Bro, yeah, that one. That one. You saw that one broke toe up from the f- mm. toe up from the flow up, make you want to throw up because they need to grow up. Invite them to church so they can show up. Boy, I got bars. <laughs> bars. That's the good news. The good news is for everybody. Somebody say everybody. I wrote this down. The good news is for everyone, everywhere, every day. Say that with me. Good news is for everyone, everywhere, every... Say it loud. Good news is for everyone, everywhere, every day. What does that mean? No matter who you come in contact with, wherever they are, it's for them. Amen. Hello. We got to learn that. We got to learn that. And that's hard. That's hard. We talked about this last week. It's hard to love some folks. Come on, man. Yes, Lord. But the good news is for all of them. Atheists, agnostics, people who don't want anything to do with God, people who could care less about what you say, people who are always trying to disprove God. Yeah. Yeah. Democrat. Republican, Clemson fans, Carolina fans, Georgia fans, Texas A&M fans, Ohio State fans, and Michigan fans. Come on, somebody. And Dallas Cowboy fans. (laughs) Somebody said, whoa, wait a minute. It's for all of us. You know, we're done in society, though. We love our lines of separation. We love to embrace the things that we like that you don't like. I think for, for a lot of us, ooh, and I'm about to say this, and y'all going to be mad at me, but get ready, because I think for a lot of you church folk, you still ratchet. You just want a drama. You just want to fight somebody. Come on. You want to be at odds with somebody because you don't feel noble and you don't feel like you're actually doing the work of Christ unless somebody's mad at you. 
Because your idea of the gospel is one that's born out of persecution. Hello. And Jesus said, yeah, you'll be persecuted. But I always wonder if Jesus was talking about, because you know who persecuted Jesus was the Pharisees. You know who killed Jesus was church folk, right? And a lot of us, we go, oh, y'all persecute me, but you might be the persecutor. Ooh, keep on moving, Fred, keep on moving. The last thing is this, the good news is a phenomenon. Somebody say phenomenon. And they, I titled us, what is this phenomenon? Because after all this stuff that happened, the Bible says they, they all heard the good news, the, the mighty works of God in their own language. They heard the mighty works of God in their own language. And I, I pray all the time that this church prevail, that we would be the kind of church that we can talk about the mighty works of God. I know sometimes that's not easy. It's not easy to stay the course and talk about hope when everybody is trying to pull you into despair and argument and fights and all these things. It's not easy to still talk about unity when unity is not a popular thing. It's not easy to talk about loving your neighbor when people want to hate other people so bad. It's not easy to do that. But I've been praying that we would be the kind of church that would continue to talk about the goodness of Jesus Christ. We would continue to tell people, listen, I don't know what you've gone through, but let me tell you about a God that loves you unconditionally, whose head over heels in love with you, who cares for you, who, who wants you badly, who, who is there for you in the midnight hour, who wants to be around you when you are unlovable, when you're hangry and you don't want nobody near you. Jesus wants to be right there with you. Amen. I'm going to tell you about a king who died for you, who loved you enough to give up his life, to lay down his heart, to lay down his body, lay down and sacrifice everything that he had for you. Why? Even though you were, as the Bible says, enemies with God, even though you were at odds with God, God still loved the world so much that he gave his only son. I love you, but I ain't giving up now one of my children for any of the body. Come on, somebody. But God loves us enough to give up his children, his child, for us. And I wonder if we could become the church that tells people about the good news, about a father that is a heavenly father, a father that is there to catch us when we're falling, a father that is there to pick us up when we fall, a father that is there to comfort us in the midnight hour when we're crying and we're scared and we're fearful, a God that loves us enough to tell us the truth about who we are, but walk with us to get there. I heard a very popular preacher a long time ago. I don't know what he's doing now. I don't really follow him no more, but his name was Andrew Womack. I don't know if y'all remember Andy Womack. But I remember sitting in a room, and there's about 300 pastors in there, and he said, I'm going to say something, and a good portion of y'all are going to get up and walk out. You know when somebody starts with that, they're going to bring some fire. And he said, 
if people have never asked you if it's okay to sin in your church, you ain't preaching the real gospel. And you know what happened? A bunch of pastors walked out. And he, he built it on this. He said, Paul says this. He says, all things are, I can do whatever I want to do. Because Paul was teaching that my righteousness is found in Christ. My identity is found in Christ. Amen? It's not what I do here or don't do here that makes me righteous. It's what he's already done that makes me righteous. He, he said, Paul said, I can, I can do anything. Somebody say anything. But not everything is good for me. And he said this, he said, you got to teach your people how to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because you can't determine what's right and wrong for them. Only God can. We don't. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to teach that in church. I'd rather control you than console you. I'd rather get you on, you know, this, this robotic belt than to teach you to have a relationship with Christ. Come on, somebody. Can you imagine if when you wanted to get married, everybody had to go through the same class, same school, you know, you had to move somewhere and, you know, well, you get married now, so this is what you got to do. Can you imagine if every woman had the same rules for her husband? All the husbands like, my, 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 my wife good, bro. <laughs> Stop lying. Get that lie out. You know, she get on your nerves sometimes. You get on her nerves all the time. Can you imagine if every wife had to live or if every husband had the same rules for their wife? Huh? Can you imagine if everybody had the same rules and relationships for each other? It would be weird, right? But this is what we want to do in church. We want to control. We can get everybody on the same little path because it's easier for us. Get them on the belt. Did they go to discipleship class? Did they do this? Did they do that? Because we need measurements. We need to make sure that we can, you know, get on the fastest growing church list in America because, you know, for some reason that really makes us who we are in Christ. But that has nothing to do with the Bible at all. I didn't see Jesus say, well, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to say, "Woo, man, you were on the fastest list three times in a row. Well done. None of that matters. Amen? The good news is a phenomenon. I wrote this down. A phenomenon is a remarkable person, thing, or event. Person, thing, or event. That's remarkable. 
And I wanna, I wanna land with this. This is what I wrote. Jesus is a remarkable person who provided remarkable salvation by dying a remarkable death. I'm gonna say that one more time. Jesus is a remarkable person who provided remarkable salvation by dying a remarkable death. Man, I'm grateful. Aren't you grateful for that? He's a phenomenon. He goes against every fabric of our society. Just when we think we got him all wrapped up in our, our, wild, our ways and our thoughts, he says, nah, I, I, I'm, I go beyond that too. I know, Fred, that you want me to love the people that you love only, but I love them all. Even that person that came in your inbox and told you off, I still love them, and I still want you to love them. Are you sure, Lord? Very sure. It's a hard one. I love you enough to help you still love them. But Lord, I just want to cuss them out. I know. And if you do, I'm going to forgive you. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Just know if I cuss you out, I'm already forgiven. So. <laughs> I ain't worried about whether you forgive me or not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but it's difficult. But I swear this phenomenon comes in because we can't begin to wrap our mind around how he loves all of us. Are you sure? All of us, Lord. Because I know a few of us that ain't worthy of that love. And he says, I know all of you ain't worthy of that love. But I still love you. That's good news. That's good news. You're my son, you're my daughter, and that's why I love you. You're in the household of faith, you're in the household and the family of God. And when it's all said and done, it was all said and done. I just want you to know I love you. And I'm for you. When the world is against you, I'm for you. When everybody's attacking you, I'm for you. When people say you can't, I say you can. When people say you can, I still say you can. When you think you can't, I say you can. Because through me, as the Bible says, that through Christ we can do all things. All things. That all things. And that's the beauty of the gospel. The good news is a phenomenon that Jesus, a remarkable person,
provide a remarkable salvation by dying a remarkable death. And he didn't just stay there. He got up. And the Bible says that when he came up, he had all power in his hand. All power in his hand. Can you close your eyes and bow your heads real quick? I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for those watching. I just felt strongly in my heart today that I just needed to pray over us as believers and over anybody that's really tuning in. And I just felt that the Lord is telling me to pray peace and strength and pray over you a reminder of his grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for everyone in this room, everyone watching by the internet. I pray right now, God, that your precious, precious grace, your precious, precious mercy flows over their life. I pray, God, that you would give them the peace and assurance of knowing who they are in you. Who they are you. Knowing that you called them and that you love them and you care for them unconditionally. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of your people. I pray peace and joy and love and mercy and care. We pray for the church as a whole. We pray for the body of Christ, the big C church, not just this church, every church. In America, I pray that your grace and your compassionate care and mercy would flow through the altars even today, flow through the, the online in homes, wherever it may be, God, that people would become wrenched and, and drenched in love and grace and mercy for one another and for others that are different from them. God, that they would embrace the love that you have for them and they would give that love to others. Thank you for what you're doing in the life of your people. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.